Good morning to all my buddies. I'm here with my new buddy, Seth Tuttle. He's a real estate agent here in Erie with Remax, and uh, he's here to tell us all about his adventures in real estate. How are you doing today, sir? Doing real well, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited for this episode. So let me let me ask you this. How did you get involved with real estate? Well, a long time ago, about 43 years ago, my wife, we had small children and I worked at General Electric and uh, she said she thought real estate might be a nice uh, career for her and she could be with the kids and stay, you know, until uh, they got in school, then do it a little bit uh, more aggressively. And she asked me if I wanted to take the courses with her, which I did. And uh, we both got into it. And originally, uh, it wasn't quite what she thought it would be. And I s determined it, it was more than I had hoped it would be. So I worked uh, GE eight years, uh, off shifts, second, third shift, primarily third shift, until I had a big enough book of business to leave GE, which I did in 1986 or 87, I guess. And... Uh, have been at it full time ever since. Beautiful. Uh, how'd you get you involved with Remax? Correct. I am. Well, I had worked for a, a number of offices starting in 1977. Worked for Lloyd White. My wife and I did, and uh, uh, was with them for a few years. And then we went with a small company called Doyle Hartman. A group of us left Lloyd White at the time, and uh, we were there for a few years. And then. Uh, I ended up at New Horizon Realtors for a year or two and went to Spiegel Realtors uh, as time was going on. When I went to Spiegel, I, I did. Uh, that's when I went full time and uh, worked there about three years, I guess. Uh, Rookie of the year, worked at the West Side office. It was a great experience. Jim Spiegel was a great guy. And then uh, with a couple partners, so we started Pro Realty. And I was there 10 years, and then I sold my interest in the company to my partners, and uh, we parted ways on a happy note, I guess. So it worked out really well, and uh, I was, actually, we bought a couple businesses, and I thought I might retire from real estate. I was 45, and that lasted a couple weeks, and I missed the action of the real estate, and it was uh, the other businesses we still own, uh, but they didn't require the intensity that real estate did, so I went back in real estate and my son joined me. I had a daughter that had worked with me for a few years at uh, Pro and, and starting at uh, Remax. And uh, then when she got married, she wanted to leave real estate, which she did. And then my son's been in the real estate business for about 16 years. And he recently went out on his own at Remax. And uh, we have a, I still have a team. Uh, Nancy Duke is still on my team. And so we work together, but, uh, we offer full-time service and, and if someone's gone or out of town, we have a, you know, we always have a full-time agent covering for us. So that's, that's sort of a long history of, of the 43 years, but it went, it flew by because it's a great, it's a great career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually sounds like much, sounds much better once you have family involved, you know? It, it does. And that made it worth it. And, uh, you know, ultimately someday, uh, you know, when I retire, a lot of agents don't look to, to sell their business, but I'm hopeful I'll have, uh, you know, a couple of people maybe interested as buyers, especially my son. He's quite a few years younger than I. Mm -hmm. And uh, all told, all told, I guess right now it's 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 right around uh, 36, 3,700 clients. Uh, I should say units that would be listed and sold. And of course, some sometimes your 
clients are five people in a family and sometimes they're single people. So I wished I would have kept track over the years of how many people we actually, uh, you know, were involved in each family unit and had a running total on it because it's got to be well over 10,000 people we've helped move uh, over the past 43 years. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the process like for someone buying a house? Like, what's the typical, like, what's the typical rundown? Well, you know, today and, and really for really about the last 20 years, the buyer agency has been an availability. And what I would say is uh, what, what you really want to do is you want to find a realtor uh, that you trust. And, and the, the way to do that is this. A lot of people get on the Internet and they'll start searching Zillow. They'll start searching Realtor.com and they'll hit uh, the button for more information. But one of the things I'll tell you is they don't realize a lot of times uh, those are paid subscriptions. So the realtor you get uh, could be a younger realtor. Nothing wrong with that. We were all young one time, but it may not be the highest experience level of realtors. So what I tell people to do is, uh, you know, ask some friends, talk to some friends who have used a realtor. If you're getting reports that you're not happy, uh, that you feel that wouldn't satisfy your needs, then then continue to look for another realtor. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, I pick up buyers from my listings because I, I do list a lot of properties. And uh, I tell people, if you get on the Internet and you're working with a realtor, what happens is Zillow and these companies, the minute you touch that, it goes out to three agents. Uh, those agents are, are going to be paying anywhere from a 25 to 35 percent fee to that company. And you don't get any value for that. I mean, the company is making all of its money by getting a referral free from that agent. They have nothing invested. They get the information off of the Internet. Uh, National Association of Realtors has what they call uh, Information Data Exchange, IDX. So they, they've never seen the house. They've never been to the house. They're forming opinions based on values from data, which is great. I mean, that's a tool for the professional realtors to have and to use. However, as a, as a buyer, it's not really all that helpful to you. So what you want to do is find someone you can trust. Uh, you want to look for someone who's honest. And it's not always the car they're driving. It's not always their wardrobe. But look for experience because the the key to real estate agents is getting you through the hurdles of owning a home. If you come up with issues, uh, there's so many that can arise. And over the years, we've seen them all, uh, but we've addressed them all. And sometimes there's a problem that you can't solve. But usually an experienced agent is going to be able to guide you through that. Uh, a, an experienced agent, if you're looking to buy a home, they should talk to you pretty early on. Uh, and, and, and get a written, there's a written notice that they are required by law to give you that says that uh, who they're working for. It's a disclosure on who they're actually working for. And unless you sign a client uh, relationship form with them and you're a buyer, then they're actually working for the seller. And, and a lot of people never realize that. Well, you want to have a realtor working for you because as a buyer, you're not taking money out of your pocket to typically pay them. Uh, the seller pays the real estate fee uh, to the listing agent. The listing agent agrees to co-op as a rule and pay half of that fee or approximately half of the fee to uh, that buyer's agent. So you can get your agency fees paid by the seller. It's built into the price. So why not, why not sign a buyer agency and get someone you trust and have them working for you?
you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to talk to just the listing agents and I'm going to shotgun this and talk to all these different agents. Well, how do you even have enough time to determine if they're, if they're really representing your interest? Because a good buyer agent, they're going to show you a number of homes. I usually say 10 to 12 homes is a, a good starting point. Sometimes it's the first home. Sometimes it's the 20th home. But the key to that whole process is you want an agent that's occasionally going to tell you, hey, look, there's problems with this home. You don't want it. People can people can uh, put a coat of paint on and hide a lot of sins. But a good experienced agent is going to point things out, basement issues, possible roof issues. They're going to they're going to bring those things to your attention. And that's what you want as an agent, as a as a buyer. You want an agent that's going to say, hey, there, there might be a problem with this. Ultimately, we always recommend that you get a home inspection. There's many good home inspectors in Erie, and there's a ton of good realtors in Erie, too. I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying, because really, uh, in a town the size of Erie, if they aren't good and if they aren't honest, sooner or later, they're not going to be in the business very long. So if you see an agent or talk to an agent, uh, the longer they're in the business, the chance, chances are the, the more likely they're getting referral business. And that comes from, you know, having had good service over the years. Someone's going to tell their friend, hey, here's someone to talk to. But the, uh, you know, I see a lot of people, they'll put on, I'm selling my home. Uh, who do you recommend on, for instance, Facebook? Nothing wrong with that approach, but it's always better if you can talk to some friends, if you've talked to somebody who has sold recently or bought recently, find out what their experiences are. They'll tell you, they'll tell you if it's good or bad. And uh, a realtor can't make everybody happy. I know I've got some folks out there who probably wish they would have worked with someone else. And that's just normal. Uh, you're going to have about 10% of the people that you might have a personality clash uh, just from the way we're wired from birth. So, you know, you want to, you want to find somebody you're going to be comfortable with because it takes agents up to a year, you know, a year to find someone a home. And if you're in an uncomfortable relationship, why do that? It's almost like a marriage, you know, and, and ultimately uh, why get married if, if you feel you might get divorced. So if you're not happy with people, with the agent you're working with, it's a good idea to maybe cut the ties early and, and uh, you know, find someone who you do like, but I always caution people, you know, be careful of what you read on the internet. Uh, there's all sorts of sites. There's sites that say, Hey, get pre-qualified. Well, what a lot of folks don't realize is on those pre-qualification sites, there's good ones, but talk to a realtor, talk to somebody who's doing business locally and, and say, Hey, look, we've had good luck with this particular mortgage company, or we've had good luck with this mortgage broker. Because if you get on the internet, there used to be two companies that were favorite famous for this. Once they get your social security number, they're going to try to get you qualified because not only do they try to get 25 or 30% of the realtor's fee, they try to get 25 or 30% of the mortgage lender's fee. So what they do is they'll shotgun that application. They'll send it out there to 20, 30, 40 mortgage brokers, and they'll say, get us the best rate. Well, if each one of those, if they have your social security number, never give them your social security number online unless you've been talking to them and you know who they are, and you know that you can typically drive to their office. Now there's some good ones that are exceptions to that. There, there's a couple national ones and I'm not going to advertise for them, but once they get your social security number, they're not going to, they're not going to steal from you. They're not going to rob for you from you, hopefully. But what they will do is they have the ability to send that out to different mortgage companies. It's called shopping the mortgage. And if you have 20 or 30 hits, even quick, 
credit hits on your on your uh, your your credit line or your credit score, they can. I've had people that were qualified one day, and because they went online on the internet, no, oh, this looks so easy, and they tried to get pre-qualified on the internet. The next day, they they aren't qualified anymore because they've dropped their credit score 40, 50 points. You don't want to do that. And so, even though the internet seems really easy. Uh, and boy, this, this is, you know, no work. You got to be careful. You got to know what you're doing because you don't want to give anybody your number. And in fact, when you go on the websites looking for properties, they'll ask you if you're pre-approved. Well, that's what they're doing. They're shopping that mortgage. So I always tell people, you know, when you get to that point, if you see something you like on there, you usually look down at the very bottom of the listing. They hide it at the very bottom. It tells you the listing agent. And it will give you their name. And oftentimes it's not even the right phone number. But if it's something you think you want to see, if you've heard anything good about that agent, seek them out. You can do a search for any agent near EPA, uh, you know, do real, you know, Seth Tuttle, uh, Realtor, Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's five or six sites that will pop up that aren't referral sites that they're trying to hit the 35 percent. Find out what office they're with, because always on those listings online, it will tell you what office they're with and call the office and say, hey, I'd like I'd like uh, Seth Tuttle or I'd like uh, Paul Kitchens or uh, I'd like Nancy Duke's phone number, their cell phone number. And then call them up directly and you'll find, uh, you know, it just makes more sense to get your money's worth and not to give 35 percent to a company that's capturing a lead online. Uh that's just that's my advice, I guess, to, to people who are looking to buy or sell. And, uh, you know, it's better to have the people if you're selling, come in, have an interview with them. There's going to be some agents you won't like. I don't get every listing. No one does. But then there'll be agency you say, you know what? They really made us feel comfortable or they really understood our needs. And, um, hey, you know, I, what I liked was they gave us some things to do the house that didn't cost ten thousand dollars that would help us with the value. And that's what you want to look for in an agent, especially if you're in the listing side. That's that's what you need. Most definitely. Now, you mentioned earlier, sometimes you walk through a house and like you see some problems that you bring to the buyer's attention or to the seller's attention. Yes. Um, can you list off some of those problems for us real quick? Well, sure. You know, oftentimes in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, I would say it's 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 around 98, 99% of the homes have basements. So that's a good starting point. And, uh, you know, you a good, a good realtor, we're not home inspectors. But if you've been around, if you've got, you know, five, 600 transactions under your belt, you know what to look for. And you can look at a basement. You can see if the, if the wall is starting to buckle in. You can look for horizontal cranks, cracks and point out to people, look, there's a problem with this basement, potentially. And uh, this is something you know, you better get a home inspection. A home inspector will also point out problems. A good and, and most of Erie's home inspectors are excellent, I would tell you. But the, the there there come a point where they might even say, hey, look, this one, you want to get an engineer on this and get this looked at. Appraisers can do that as well. But they're not looking out for your interest necessarily, the appraisers. They're looking out for the bank's interest. They're making sure that their collateral is good. What I don't want to have is a situation where you get a call in January or February when you get that first spring thaw and someone calls and says, hey, there's two or three inches of water in my basement. What's going on? That That's not what we do. We don't fix those leaks. We don't fix broken sump pumps. But that has happened before. And uh, that's where you start is in the basement. You want to have them look. A good realtor will recognize settlement cracks, 
they'll recognize sticking doors. Uh, if the windows are newer, they should work freely and easily. Same thing with sliding glass doors. Uh, but you can find a good home and, and a realtor may say, you know, this is one you definitely want to get a home inspection on just to find out if there's some if there's some things there that, uh, you know, maybe are adjustments or maybe a sliding glass door, for instance. You know, they wear out, windows wear out. And that's not a structural item that could cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Although a good sliding glass door now, you know, it's a couple thousand typically to have put in if you have a contractor do it. But a good realtor is going to point out the bad with the good. Now, if you have a if you if you have a realtor that all they're trying to do, if you get the feeling they're just trying to sell you every home and it's based on the new carpet, if it's based on, uh, oh, my, isn't this new paint wonderful? You know, uh, you want to ask yourself if, if a realtor is trying to sell you every home you go into, you have to ask whose interest do they really have? Now, they might be lucky and you might go into five good homes right off the bat. Uh, but it's pretty rare that you find five homes that are perfect right off the bat. Market has been pretty brisk lately. So people are taking risks and buying homes that do need work, but it, it pays off because right now the market is so fast, you know, good homes are selling in less than a week as a rule. Um, if they're priced competitively, they sell quickly right now. Nice. That brings me to my next question. Um, how has COVID impacted the, uh, the real estate market nowadays? That's a good good question, Nick, and thank you for that because it definitely has. Uh, today, there are forms and there's notices, and you you want to you want to be careful. Uh, they loosen things up. You know, in May we went to uh, I guess yellow or green. I can't keep the colors all together anymore, but they, for a while we weren't able to do anything. It was an unknown in, in March and, and beginning of April. It was an unknown what we really were allowed to do. And so, you know, homes were actually being videoed. A, a realtor would go by themselves. They'd use a phone, a technical device, and they, they'd show the home with a technical device. Uh, today, you know, you are allowed to go into homes. They don't recommend meeting a whole family and going through a home. They like to, they, they recommend keeping it at, at uh, you know, two two customers and one realtor. Uh, they recommend desanitizing if you're touching things. Used to be everybody would open up cabinets and, uh, you know, now now they recommend. And uh, we tell the customers, if you like that, if you, if you like the idea of having people wipe down everything, provide the wipes and they can wipe down any door they open, any cabinet, et cetera. But it, it really... Uh, I would say to this, it's settled down a little bit. Uh, we are allowed to go to homes. We are allowed to meet with customers now. And there was a period of time that we weren't. However, what we learned is, is that technology today is really a great thing. And it allowed us to, to essentially keep doing business. The way a closing happens today, and it may not be permanent, but it seems like it's probably going to be. Uh, it used to be the buyers and sellers, and this was unique, really, to Northwest Pennsylvania. A lot of places around the country close in what they call escrow, so they would never maybe meet the seller or buyer. Well, we're doing it more similar to their fashion at this point, where the buyers go and meet with their attorney or closing company. The sellers go, they meet with their attorney or closing company. They sign their respective paperwork. 
the, the checks get handed to or get transferred into the, their attorney's account, then that attorney, he meets with the, with the seller's attorney if they're representing the buyer or the seller's attorney meets with the buyer's attorney. The, the money again exchange hands. It goes to the seller ultimately. But the days of, uh, you know, sitting down and having an hour closing are, are, I think, probably gone forever. And it's a little bit more efficient. It's a little bit more effective. Uh, I think the realtors like it. I'm pretty sure the attorneys like it from, from what I hear them talking about. And uh, it, it really goes pretty smooth. I mean, there's, there's, if there's an error, it's a little bit longer, a little bit more challenging to get it resolved. But they always resolve those. I mean, those, those documents at a, at a real estate closing are federally regulated. So if there's an error, that closing company or closing agent is going to get that resolved. Could have been an error on the realtor's part. We all make mistakes or the lender's part. It happens. But uh, those things get resolved. And, and so far, you know, uh, knock on wood, uh, it's working pretty well. And uh, I think it really has allowed the attorneys to concentrate on what they do best instead of being human relations consultants at a closing because the people went through the house and a light bulb was burned out. They focus on the legal aspects of it. They focus on getting that deed transferred. It works out well. And, uh, you know, today home warranties can be a popular item. So a lot of those fears, uh, you know, if, if a person purchases that home warranty, they don't have to worry for at least a year. There's some deductibles. There's some processes you go through. But if, if a home is such that you feel, uh, boy, that furnace is right on edge there, uh, you know, if there's some, some level of security by getting a home warranty. Uh, they aren't ironclad. They don't cover everything. They don't cover roof leaks as a rule. Uh, you can get different levels of coverage, but that's another whole topic, the home warranty topic. That's, that's, a, that's its own line of business. But more and more, I see younger people especially wanting those home warranties. Uh, and it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. You're looking at, by the way, you know, five to six, seven hundred dollars. If you get one that's fully loaded with uh, all the appliances, uh, maybe a swimming pool, you see a few of those around, you know, you're looking at less than a thousand dollars. But again, uh, you know, is that worth a peace of mind for a year? And that's the question you have to answer yourself. So. Absolutely. Now, what about, you know, you and me both call Erie home. So why would you sell someone Erie? Why would you say this is why you should move to Erie? You know, once again, Nick, I got to tell you, and this is exciting to me. Uh, have we've been, I've been doing this, like I said, for 43 years. That's probably maybe a little bit longer than you've been here. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but, but the thing that I've noticed is, you know, I always watch and, and my wife watches them as well. And clients watch them. These home shows, HGTV. And, you know, you see these people flipping the homes, doing the things they do. And, you know, they're putting in $30,000 worth of granite countertop. Well, that's great. If you are in a California market or a Toronto market where a home in Erie that might sell for seventy-five or 80000 in a California or Toronto market, it may very well be close to, you know, five hundred to a million dollars or in that range. Well, you can afford that $30,000 countertop and, and you can resell the home and make it. But if you live in Erie, our home values are extremely desirable, very, very, very reasonable. And 
as an example, I recently listed and, and sold two lakefront homes, and both of them were people that aren't from Erie. Uh, you know, one is one is actually uh, moved from Ohio, coming into Erie for uh, a position, and then the other one is actually uh, folks that are going to be great friends of mine. They're they're realtors in Pittsburgh, and they were thinking about buying something in the South, using it in the winter time, but this coronavirus really changed their mind and how they looked at it. They happened to be up here visiting uh, actually a, a friend's home uh, on the lake on the east side. And they noticed this house next door was for sale. They're realtors with Remax in Pittsburgh. And uh, they got a hold of me. They looked at it. They loved it. They bought it. They felt the values here in Erie are, are very reasonable. And they are. They are. If you go up to Buffalo or Cleveland and get on a lakefront home, it's hard to afford one for, for most people. And so Erie has these values. And I think that if you're living in Erie and if you've got a steady job and, 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 and you know, halfway decent job, you can you can actually buy a home for equal or less than what it costs to rent a home. And if you get a fixed rate mortgage 10 years down the road, you're really going to notice the difference because, you know, rent can, rents continue to go up. Uh, I have invested in some income properties and the old saying goes, you're paying a, a mortgage either way. If you're a tenant, you're just paying the landlord's mortgage. If you're an owner, you're paying your own mortgage. And, uh, you know, we see a few cash buyers from time to time. But the key is, is that the majority of people are going to have a mortgage. And it's one of the last bastions of <clears throat> tax deductions that they still allow us. And, you know, it, if you interest rates right now, they're as low as they've ever been in, in really 43 years that I've been in the business. The 30-year fixed rates uh, end of last week went down uh, below 3%. <clears throat> and that's unheard of. So, again, you're paying so much less money in interest today that you can afford more home. And that act, that's what's driven our activity. Our activity has just been so bizarre since since we opened up again. Like I mentioned, if a home is priced reasonably well, it's going to sell quickly. We have exceptions to that, of course. But as a rule, uh, you know, if it, if it doesn't need anything, if it's a, a very conventional floor plan, good area, it's going to sell pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. In your personal opinion... What's it like putting that sold sign up? Oh, well, I I recently was fortunate enough. I, I sold a home to uh, a couple, and this gentleman had spent uh, his whole career. They're a wonderful couple. He had spent his whole career as a uh, school teacher in one of the local communities. Uh, happens to be one where I live, and I've I heard of the gentleman for years. I heard his name and he was a, a great influence on a lot of kids. And, and I, I know why after working with he and his wife and she was also involved in education, but what they said to me and, and, you know, I've sold a number of homes and they're retired. They're a few years older than I am. And I was really excited when we got the, 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 the transaction sewed up. Uh, there were other offers on the home. Uh, so we were competing and uh, they took my advice and, you know, they got the home and I still get so excited when you can help someone uh, get into home ownership 
And it doesn't matter if they're in their years where they're downsizing or simplifying. It doesn't matter if it's the first home. Uh, that's one of the reasons I still work. And it's probably one of the main reasons because it's very exciting. It's very thrilling to get a, get one signed up, and especially when you're competing against other realtors. And a lot of times there, again, that's where, you know, the experience comes in. And, uh, you know, I've given people advice and they don't get the home. They didn't really follow your advice that you give them. And, uh, you know, they understand they have reasons for maybe not wanting to go full price or over full price, which is very common today. And, uh, you know, so sometimes you don't, you don't get every one of them. It's, it's like a ball game or a batting average. You know, if you, uh, if you're batting 350, you're a world record holder, right? And uh, probably very similar with real estate. So it is exciting, though, and and I still enjoy. I love uh, that sold sign, and you know you did a job, you got it accomplished, and uh, you know it's so great to see. And by, and by the way, most folks uh, buying a home or selling a home, you know, it's a life change, but it's a it's a it's a uh, conclusion of a decision they reached. And there are times when they're not excited about it. But many times they are. They're moving on to something better. Uh, they're moving to a different part of the country for climate or retirement, uh, hobbies, whatever it may be. So when you make that sale, you know, buyer or seller, they're usually pretty happy. Now, you know, you have other cases where obviously there are things that it, it's not a happy occasion. And that's that's heart rendering, too, for the realtor. But, you know, we always uh, our job and what's unique about real estate is we typically don't get paid unless we complete the job. In other words, if we, if you sign a buyer agent with a, with a realtor and he doesn't find you a home or you never buy a home, you don't get paid. So their realtor has invested that time and effort and experience and knowledge. And uh, really, you know, for a zero sum game, uh, that's why it's important. I think, and that why you see the more and more realtors, the professionals, they want that signed agreement. Um, it just makes sense. And everybody goes to work. Everybody wants to get paid for their work. And uh, real estate's one of those few fields where you might work a lot of sales jobs are that way. You might work for two or three weeks, not, not earn a dime. And then in real estate, what's fortunate is, you know, we, we can make a pretty good living at it once you get the skills and you get the knowledge and you, you know, are selling a number of homes. That's what it takes. Uh, is, there's a, a point we'll probably talk about. What about getting into the career? Uh, I mentioned, I saw you mentioned that in one of your potential questions. Well, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it really, in my mind, is the greatest career going. The key to it, though, is you got to be able to hang in there for years until you build up enough past customers where you're getting that referral business. And you, you suffer a lot of rejection in real estate sales, just like all sales. But that's why the compensation is pretty good, because uh, a lot of folks are, you know, myself included, when I got into this, I was very thin skinned and I took rejection personally. You can't do that. You don't know what's going on in that client's life where, you know, something traumatic may have happened yesterday, last week, uh, or something they know is hap going to happen in their future that's very traumatic. So you never want to exchange those feelings of, of you know, if, if, if you sense they're not comfortable, you never want to equate that to they're not comfortable with you because it could be many things, as we all know. 
And uh, not every home sale is a result of a happy ending. So, you know, you just have to realize that you're professional. They're hiring you to do a job. If you don't complete the job, you're not going to get paid. Uh, so your goal is to work very hard to get paid. And um, uh, I guess that's what I would comment on that. Uh, real estate for me was a blessing because uh, I had a very good job at General Electric Company. I had always had great bosses. I, I worked with great people with, 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 you know, like every job, a few exceptions, but I always liked the job and it was very good money benefits, everything that went along with it. But for me, that hitting the time clock, it just, after a period of time, 13 years, I was there total, it didn't work anymore. And uh, so real estate is more like the job that I had growing up on my parents' farm, which was, you know, you, you had to invest time in it every day. Uh, but then hopefully you got uh, rewards as time went on. And uh, real estate's like that. The longer you're in it, the easier it gets in terms of finding clients. You still have to do the work. You still have to keep up on the changes of the industry. Like our being able to talk right now, I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. And <laughs> we're, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that other people are listening too. So the key is, you know, that's, that's technology that just didn't exist. And I remember the first fax machine I saw, and boy, that was cutting edge. And the first computer I ever used was actually the size of a briefcase. And it never left Lloyd White's office. It was a slide bar sort of. It was back in the day when they had the cards. Uh, I forget what they used to call those. Uh, they used to have programs or in technical schools called data processing. And they were punch cards. And the punch cards, I mean, they would go into a machine and they would flip mechanical switches. Well, the first MLS computer was uh, slide bars inside of this briefcase. And then it had the paper that was in the first fax machines. It's almost like a, a roll of transparent toilet paper, if you will. And <laughs> it would print on there. And of course you, you could barely read the print, but I was so amazed that you could find out about properties so easily. And of course now this device that we're having in our hand, the phone, I mean, you can see 25 pictures of every home you could look and see the history of it. You can look and see if there's a mortgage. I mean, all kinds of information is at our fingertips. And that's when they used to talk about the information age and people would wonder, well, how can we, what, what, what are they talking about? How can that have value? Well, it certainly does have value and it's changed the world. So uh, that being said, we've got the answer on the information age. We just wonder what the next age will be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you mentioned earlier, like, all the investment, all that stuff. Can let's say someone's looking to buy a house, but they're you know they're still they're still working on their finances. You know, are there certain payment plans sure. they can set up with you? Um, there- well, you know, and, and the the key to it is 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 have a meeting and and mm-hmm. hire a realtor. But you know, the the idea is a good realtor will they'll recommend you get pre approval for a loan mm-hmm. first of all, and here's the key. If, if if people have had a, a couple credit issues or if they if they lost a job, uh, which is, you know, kind of out there today, um, you know, I've always looked at it this way. And at some point I'm getting to that point where it won't be the case. But I've always said I need to sell houses in a year and I'm going to need to sell houses in two years. But a good realtor is going to stick with you and say, you know what, um, go over and see this person, get your pre-approval. And then a good loan originator 
is also going to stick with you. And they're going to help you if you have a few things against your credit score. They're going to help you get that straightened out. They're going to give you recommendations on what to do. Uh, a really good loan officer will uh, sometimes even have forms for you and, and uh, help you with that process in terms of, you know, you need to fill this information out. You know, you get it reported. They'll tell you where to report it. You can you can contest items that are on your, your credit score. A lot of times, you know, they're human as well. And even though a lot of that's technology driven, there are mistakes and people can have uh, issues with a credit score that are through no fault of their own, too. Um, my name is Seth Tuttle. My father's name was Seth Tuttle. My son's name is Seth Tuttle. And, I, and what's really interesting is even though we all had different uh, middle middle names, uh, there was a time when I had a, a vehicle on my credit score that it was the wrong Seth Tuttle. So, you know, those things happen, but a good loan originator, a good realtor, they're going to help you get qualified. They're going to help you get through that. Now, mm -hmm. you know, of course, you typically have to be working. Uh, but if you, if especially young couples, it's great if uh, a husband and wife are working and, and they've saved a few dollars. Uh, the earlier you get a home, typically, the better off you're going to be. Now, I know I'm told millennials don't necessarily believe that. But what happens is this. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said, compound interest, if you know how it works, it can make you very wealthy. If you don't know how it works, it's going to make you very poor. What was, it, what was his point in that comment? Well, here's what it was. When you buy a car, you know, there's uh, interest goes toward the amount of interest you owe. And it's not a declining uh, balance loan like a home is, an amortization of that principal amount. So in that first payment you make on a house, Nick, uh, you know, a big, big, big portion of it's going to be interest. It's almost exactly opposite. If your first payment is mainly interest, your last payment is mainly principal. So the key is this. If you get a house early and if you get that income tax check return, if you don't need it for emergencies or for your safety net fund, what you want to do is, you know, after you have a safety net fund, like take and uh, put it against your principal because a lot of people don't realize this and they used to call them magic mortgages and they've just about disappeared. Although by law in Pennsylvania, they will never disappear if they don't change the law. And here's why they were biweekly mortgages. They also were referred to as biweekly or magic mortgages. And here's what would happen. If you, if you got paid biweekly, a lot of people would say, you know what? It's just as easy for me to make half my payment bi-weekly than it is maybe easier than paying it once a month uh, on a monthly payment. Well, by doing it bi-weekly, if you think about it, 52 weeks a year, you're going to make 26 half payments. Well, 26 half payments equal 13 months if you think about it, right? So what happens is you're paying that extra month's payment, but all that money goes toward the principal. If you have a 30-year mortgage, and you pay biweekly or take that amount of money and each year, you know, make your monthly payment, but each year put an extra payment, just the amount of an extra payment against that mortgage. Typically what's going to happen is you're going to knock nine years off the length of your mortgage. So think about that. You take nine years of whatever your house payment is. Uh, and if it's a monthly payment or biweekly, it doesn't matter. You just calculate out what you pay a year. 
And what's going to happen is you're going to save nine years of that. That's almost 30% on a 30 year mortgage. 10 years would be 30%. So you can have huge savings just by getting a little bit of an education. A good, a good realtor is always happy to develop, give you print out. We have the tools on our multiple listing service site, Gregory board of realtors uh, uh, website that we can do an amortization schedule for you. And you can, we can show you how that works. We can show you, okay, look, in this first payment, you're making only $35 of that $600 is principal. So if you've got an extra $35 and you want to save that several hundred dollars, make that up front. So if you pay extra in your first five years of a mortgage, you're really going to knock, knock down what you pay over the lifetime. And people just think, well, it can't be that simple because it's not very much money. Well, like Benjamin Franklin said, Compound interest can make you very wealthy or it can make you poor. And unfortunately for a lot of us, it takes us years to learn that, but it's true. It really is. And so a good realtor would, you know, we're not financial experts. We're not investment counselors per se, but I'll tell you over the years, uh, people will sell their homes. And if they've had their home for 15, 20 years and just maintained it, it's, it's always very possibly double in price of what they paid for it. And I've had a lot of folks say, oh my gosh, we sold it for this amount. Can you believe it? None of them have ever said, hey, by the way, we want to give you a piece of that unless you're relisting the property with me. But the key is, is that real estate is an average man's investment tool. You get the tax advantages from deducting the interest, deducting your, uh, you know, your, your, your insurance, your taxes, I'm sorry, not your insurance, but you, and then when you sell it, you can deduct your selling costs, but it's a, it's an investment that each month you're putting into something that is a basic need in your life, shelter. And if we have normal years, if we have good economies, it's appreciating. Now, Erie, Pennsylvania, another reason why Erie is so good, we don't get those really high rate of inflations like the coasts do. I call them the the uh, the coast inflation because they'll go up like crazy and then about every 10 years they have a crash there's a real estate crash roughly every 10 years is without fail now i've seen four of them and uh rates go haywire money goes haywire uh they blame it on the banks they blame it on the appraisers uh, and they make a lot of new regulations and then after a few years the politicians realize that if they don't change those regulations uh the voters are getting a little disgruntled, so they loosen up the regulations, and then we start down that road, and before long, usually about 10, 11 years, we'll have another real estate crash, and uh, uh, it's just just a cycle. It's just a normal cycle, but if you're wise, and if you buy and get in at the right time, and if you are disciplined, pay a little extra, uh, ultimately a home, I mean, it's a great, it's a great investment. And uh, ultimately, we can't leave this world with a home, but we can leave something to our heirs uh, or to a charity if you have no heirs. There's, there's many benefits about developing wealth with real estate that you can always help somebody else out if you don't have someone, you know, that's related to you uh, that's going to inherit that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities that a home offers you that if you don't get started young, it's harder. It's never too late. It's never too late to buy a home. But uh, the earlier you can start, the better off you are. My wife and I, we, we actually got into home ownership. I was 19 and, and she was, uh, well, I shouldn't say what her age was. That would be kind. But at any rate, uh, we got into home ownership early. 
And uh, so many times, you know, we've refinanced, we've pulled cashes out. We had a couple situations where we had real family emergencies. And because we had equity in our home, you know, we, we made it through those times. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful we did it when we were young or we wouldn't have been in that position. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned charity. Like if someone appears and you can donate to charity. I ask all my guests on the show if they could have our viewers donate to one charity of their choice. What would yours be? Well, I work with two. Uh, used to be very active in the Roaring Shore, and of course, it's not here at this time, and and we don't know if it's coming back. Mm-hmm. But my wife is involved with a great one, it, and it's called Hope uh, on Horseback, and they work with uh, many handicapped folks now the good news is they're also working with veterans and horses are kind of a special animal. They're always happy to see you. Uh, this particular charity is run all by, you know, uh, volunteers and, and uh, they raise money uh, for their, for their budget. Uh, they do a good job. They've got a great uh, uh, executive officer now who is very good at that. And the key is though, those horses aren't like a, they aren't like a car. They can't, be parked in a driveway and not eat or drink. And so it's expensive for them to maintain those. But what uh, the charity I, I think I'd recommend would be Hope on Horseback. And uh, I actually, uh, actually on my desk here, I think I've got, I think I've got something with their address on it here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, it's Hope on Horseback. That's all you have to use for the address. The technical name is, a I think, Hope on Horseback Therapeutic Riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the address is 7280 Staratania Road, and it's Fairview, and the zip is 16415. And they're really appreciative of donations. Um, they have a beautiful facility that they rent, uh, you know, for their horses. They do great work, and horses have a way of uh, helping those who are handicapped helping those soldiers who are suffering from, uh, you know, post-traumatic syndrome and uh, horses are always happy to see. uh, And these horses are all very well trained, very well broke. They've got some great volunteers. By the way, they can, they actually appreciate volunteers too, because it's a very well run safe organization. So they always need volunteers when they have these folks on horseback and, um, you know, if a person has some time or money and would want to give to them, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. But that's that's a charity, I think, that I would call uh, my favorite right at the moment. And uh, I've got another one, too, but I, I put a lot of time into that one. And I, you know, you, you, you dilute it if you have too many. But I really I really think this hope on horseback is it probably a charity as I get along and, and do retire. I'm going to be very active. And I think because I just you see these kids who most of them have never gotten a break in life. And I'll tell you, they just are so thrilled around this thousand pound animal. I mean, a horse is a huge beast, but they're one of the most loving beings on the planet, I think. And uh, it's, it, it really brings tears to your eyes when you see uh, how the, the good that they can do for veterans or these folks that are, are challenged. And uh, I just think anybody couldn't go wrong by you know, donation to, to uh, hope on horseback. That's beautiful. It's truly beautiful. I think you're right because I know someone who trains uh, uh, horses and all that. So I think that's a 
the perfect charity. Now for the million dollar question, because I know you've been waiting for this one. Let's say there's someone out there that's looking to become a real estate agent, that's looking to go into real estate. What's your advice for them? Okay. Um, when I, I was a manager of uh, the one company that I was involved in the ownership in and had a lot of people go through the, the business, uh, here's, here's my advice. Real estate is not really about houses. Uh, it's, it, it is, but it's about people. So I think you want to ask yourself if you're going to be service oriented. The, the key, the education for real estate is not that complicated to get. It's, it's actually pretty easy, the number of hours you need. But once you have that license to practice real estate, then the training starts, really. And, uh, you know, if you have people skills, that's what it takes. Uh, the technical aspects of it today with the Internet, with podcasts, as an example, uh, with YouTube, you can you have an advantage today and that you can get educated on the you know home construction and issues with homes. I mean, there's not hardly a subject out there that some entrepreneur like yourself, for instance, hasn't touched base on and, and you can't learn about. I mean, it's really changed uh, the way you, you know, I uh, fixed my wife's iPhone uh, two or three times and I'm not a technical person, but I'll tell you, it's so easy. What was a hundred dollar repair at the, I won't name, name the name of the company, but it was less than $10 and I fixed it three times. So, you know, I saved uh, $270 over the course of a couple of years. <clears throat> so you can get that education online. But the one thing you want to keep in mind is typically for the most salespeople, you're going to go through a period, two to three, four years, where it's, it's hard to get business when you're brand new and everybody gets some business, but <clears throat> you want to be dedicated and realize you're going to have to put in a lot of hours to get your career going. And then once you start getting satisfied customers, well, you know, hopefully they'll tell other folks about you. And then the more satisfied customers you get, the less time you spend on prospecting and the more time you spend with customers. It's like most sales jobs and sales jobs, by the way, you know, there are degrees for marketing and degrees at uh, uh, communication. All those are good. But selling is really education. It's in a way you're a teacher. You're, you're helping people become educated on what's a good buy, what's not a good buy. So once you realize what the job consists of and once you start, I have a, a rule and it's a golden rule. To treat people like you want to be treated. Now, sometimes that's challenging. But it always works. And, it, you know, I've, over the years, that's the one rule I've followed. Because if you do that, you're going to be honest with people. If you do that, you're going to take into consideration their feelings. If you do that, you're going to be bluntly honest with folks. And some people don't like that. But I'd rather have them upset because I told them the truth than being upset because I tried to sugarcoat something and then they found out I was, I was being dishonest. I, I, you can't you can't survive in this business if you are dishonest. So really, that's the key. And uh, I would say, you know, it's a great a great career. It's offered my family. Uh, everyone in my family has been involved with it at one time or another at some level. And uh, you know, it really is uh, an entrepreneurial type position, and it really is based on capitalism. In other words. If you if you work harder, the odds are pretty good 
that you're going to be able to make a, a more more money for a living, a good living. And then as you get knowledge, you can take that extra money, you can invest it in real estate. Uh, you don't have to buy a three or $400,000 machine to make your living. Uh, you know, some of these CNC machines now, I'm sure are a few million dollars, perhaps, I don't know. But, you know, it's not like buying one of those to go into the machining business and finding your customers because you've got that particular machine that can do the job. And then a skilled operator, it's a different type of business. It really is a one-on-one -on -one business. And communication skills are what you're selling. Knowledge is what you're selling. And like I said, you don't always get paid. But when you don't, you've got to let that go and say, well, you know, it's, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. Because uh, it's, it's not about getting paid. There's so many ways to get paid that don't have to do with dollars and cents. Uh, just the satisfaction. It's a very fulfilling job. There's, I've had customers, one of my favorite customers, they bought a $12,000 home. Now, granted, this was a number of years ago, but it would still be a very inexpensive home today. And I was so impressed by this family. Uh, they had three of the best behaved children you ever saw. They had a, a about a 10-year-old Buick station wagon that looked mint. It looked brand new. It was clean. It was always clean. There was no papers on the floor. There was nothing. It was just spotless. And this family, uh, you could tell they were loving parents. And they bought this home. And I don't think they'd have been able to get that uh, if if it hadn't been for me. And uh, I guess ultimately, that was very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result, the, the I really think that, uh, uh, you know, it's a very, very satisfying career if you like people and I would encourage anybody and just realize you're going to have to pay your dues along the way. You'll pay your dues, but time that after, you know, like they say in the song queen, time after time, you'll pay your dues. You, you've done your sentence, committed yeah. no crime, but then at the end you'll be a champion, you know? Yep. Yep. We are the champions. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> one, oh, one other way I just, I'm looking at my picture here on my phone. One other way that the COVID-19 has affected us is uh, the ability to keep our hair shorter. And, uh, you know, my, I'm, I'm 65, and my wife said the other day, she said, uh, you're headed to the 70s by going back into the 70s, which is when I was a teenager. And uh, she's right. You know, I am because, uh, well, it is it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I, I chuckle. I actually kind of like the long hair again now, but I, I've, I've got an appointment the 30th to get a cut again. So mm -hmm. everybody's catching up and it's like, it seems like the ladies get precedent at the hair salons that, you know, that you get your hair cut at. So uh, anyway, that's, that's probably one of the major ways. You know, but I did see a report and it was done. It was a study actually, but one of the, it was one of the Ivy league schools. And it said that uh, 65 or 70% of the men, we're going to leave their hair longer. Uh, and it was predominantly my generation. They were going to leave their hair longer because they'd let it grow. Uh, you had to, unless you were doing it yourself mm -hmm. um, over the over the shutdown weeks. And they liked it. And uh, their wives liked it. So they were going to let their hair grow. And uh, which is kind of a, you know, there'll be a study someday how that affected the world. But right now, anyway, uh, I see a lot of guys my age with a little bit longer hair. If they go back into our teens, uh, 45 years ago, we had it then a little, to some degree. I was never really long hair, but mm -hmm. uh, about this length. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's yeah. my pleasure, Nick. Absolutely. 
Real quick note, if my girlfriend is listening to this, you hear that, honey? They like the long hair. So <laughs> she'll probably comment. There you go, Nick. There you go. She'll probably comment on this yeah. later. Oh heck no. Or something like that. But yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. I certainly learned a lot. I know who to contact now. There she is. Don't get any uh, ideas, honey. She just commented, don't get any ideas, honey. <laughs> thank that's you so good. much for being good. on the show. I certainly learned a lot. I know who to contact when I'm looking to buy a future home. So thank you again yeah. for just everything. And I again, I hope things really pick up, you know. I hope really I really hope that business starts booming again. So thank you. Thank you. And it, and uh, thank you very much. And it was my pleasure. It really was. Absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Yep. As I tell all my buddies out there, go be someone's buddy. So, <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yep. All we'll right. We'll see you again. Take yep. care. We'll, we'll catch you all next time on Buddycast. Thank you.